Mid but, McCarthy you know, is a good is a good one for him. We might use that for the rest of the season. shop for news views and overreactions to all things nfl this week we're in prime time it's the nfc east and for once in a while it might not be that bad so hey we've got connor here we've got sean hello and we've got ronan hello how are we getting on lads i suppose possibly for the last time i'll be saying how's things in cork to both of you yeah yeah very very close to, to moving my wife sarah is going this weekend i will be moving the weekend after that established the beachhead as it were come with the cavalry <laughs> I'm intrigued. On one level, I am intrigued. I've never, I don't know anything about Waterford really, so it'll be a whole new experience. Interesting on that front. But I think it's only a year, so if it's a disaster, we can just come back to Cork. Well, unless your dastardly tenant decides to overhold in Cork. <laughs> Squatter, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, uh, yeah, Mike, he's a mutual friend of our, of all of ours. There is a non-zero chance that if all of any of our friends were going to become squatters, Mike probably would, out of his political principles. Hopefully not. I think he's too bourgeois for that these days. So, <laughs> Very good. How about yourself, Ronan? Any crack? No, pretty quiet here, to be honest. Getting towards the end of the latest big project at work, so hoping to get that done by the end of the month in time for a training camp. Now, oh, who signed you? That. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it's a lot of interest right now. You know, I got that running back market right now. Texans. Like, it's got to be a Texan. They, <laughs> they, they pick up everybody. But yeah, other than that, been watching some TV, saw the new Boots Rally thing, I'm a Virgo. Pretty interesting. So yeah, other than that, pretty quiet. There you go. Yeah, as, uh, as listeners about here, I sound a little bit tired today. I got woken up at about one o'clock last night by my fire alarm going off. And what was the fire alarm going off about? Water, of all things. A pipe had started leaking above it and it was going crazy. So took me out of my slumber. It took about 20 minutes to try and get sorted. Not not, not as rested as uh, I would like to be. But uh, other than that, nothing too wild or crazy. Getting ready for... I've got a wedding to pop to next week. So that'll be, that'll be good fun. I suppose we should hop in. As I said, we're going to be talking about the NFC East today, but first we'll pop through a few bits of news. Tennessee running back Hassan Haskins has been uh, arrested on an aggravated assault by strangulation charges. The initial reports indicate that it was during a big argument with his partner, who's also been charged with aggravated assault. This is, as you say it almost every time this comes up, not something that the league takes lightly anymore. And you can imagine that there's going to be some repercussions from this in some respect. Do we think this has any major impact on Tennessee? I mean, yeah. obviously he's behind Henry, but I, I don't even know how much playtime he actually gets, to be honest. Derrick Henry's obviously still at, at the Titans for now. If if Derrick Henry had been traded away, Haskins would have been in line to be one of the people lined up, although he wouldn't have been the favourite among the kind of experts at the moment. But yeah, he's a guy who's really just a fill-in running back which for a position which is already devalued, you know, extra devalued. Um, basically, the reports indicate that it all started due to Haskins perhaps playing away and the partner finding out about it and that eliciting a very significant response. He obviously, being a you know professional football player, you know tended to you know uh, probably given the worst. Uh, it sounds like it's a messy situation. Once this all clears through the criminal system, to whatever extent it happens, then I imagine he might pick up a few games suspension. There's also another small assault one as well involving Tyreek Hill down in Miami where he and his friends boarded someone else's boat in the marina and I believe he smacked the fella and said I can buy you and buy this boat. So from what I understand the police charges are dropped so there's not going to be a criminal charge but there's likely going to be some kind of civil case. He doesn't know he plays for the Dolphins not the Buccaneers right? Yeah <laughs> it's true. It's one of those ones where because there's no criminal charges there probably won't be any follow up from the league but given Tyreek Hill has had two previous engagements with the league over assault charges there's a chance that there might be repercussions being contingent on current stuff from 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 previous instances so it's just one to keep an eye on although it does seem relatively smaller but you compare it to the likes of the Hassan Haskins case there back on to gambling again a couple of players have been receiving We'll say suspensions, some clips around the ear for this. So Isaiah Rogers, Rashad Berry and Demetrius Harris have all been suspended indefinitely under the gambling policy because they gamble on NFL games. That means that they're out for a minimum of a year, but have to apply for a reinstatement at that point. Rogers and Berry released following the announcement and Tennessee offensive lineman Nicholas Petit Frere, the little brother, has been suspended for six games under the gambling policy. This is in line with other ones that have happened where it's a more minor infraction i think normally it means it's not an nfl game you're basically not allowed to gamble on team premises, premises. i'm not sure in this case but i do know for Jamison williams that was uh, he actually in the team hotel 
which technically was team premises. He probably feels hard done by. But apparently the NFL has been putting a lot of effort into putting in big presentations saying, do not do this, please. These are all the rules. Let's make it as clear as possible and let's clear this up. Now, there are some reports that maybe there might even be more people uh, depending how hard NFL goes on what happened last year. But and I imagine this will probably still keep happening because, you know, there's always one idiot probably out there. Yes, well, uh, we'll, we'll but... put it this way. These young 20-something millionaire sports stars are not known for making the best decisions all the time. Yeah. It'll be uh, kind of in the background there, but I imagine it'll probably be lesser and obviously better clarification about what's happening. Because, you know, the players just need to gamble on non-NFL games while not on team premises. And it won't be a suspension matter. Team premises you know. thing confuses the hell out of me, to be honest. Because, like, I, I get that don't bet on NFL games to an extent. The, like, you can't bet on baseball while you're in the team gym seems like a bizarre versus if I'm training at my home gym. Having a rule for the sake of having a rule, it sounds like to me. Yeah. It would be one thing if the league was massively anti-gambling, but like like I said, like this this analysis is brought to you by DraftKings and like open sports book betting is advertised on all their stuff. So like, yeah, it's just, it's a, it just seems a bit silly to me, you know? Maybe this is just being brought in by like the old school owners because they, they like their sports Probably. books illegal and ran by the mob. <laughs> Jacksonville's offensive tackle Cam Robinson has been suspended for four games as well following PED policy investigation. So he's been to have PEDs. This has a bit of a bit of a troubling impact for him because this, I believe, will now void a lump of guarantees in his contract and stuff. So it could cost him a fair chunk of money. Jacksonville do have some depth on that offensive line. Yeah, they drafted a guy in the first round this year uh, at the tackle position. I wouldn't say the depth is amazing, but they do have depth there. And I think it's a situation where he had a pretty good contract a couple of years ago. Kind of surprising. His play has been adequate, but not amazing. But this basically means that he's now in the position that most NFL players are in, where he has very little security long term. Not great situation. He's come out and apologized about it. And so obviously he's kind of accepted guilt at this point, And it has been expected to come since I think the draft was first mentioned by Adam Schefter. But yeah, not a great situation for Cam Robinson. Let's move on to some transactions. New England, Devontae Parker has been extended. A three-year deal worth up to $33 million. It's it's 14 million in guarantees, which I believe means he counts about 8 million against the cap this year. This is an interesting call from New England. They don't have a lot on the offense. I do understand that. Devontae Parker's not really done much for them. I believe in most of the advanced metrics, he's ranking dead last in separation, like all that kind of stuff. It's a confusing move to me. Now, when you read it as being a essentially a one-year deal with a team option, it makes a little bit more sense. And they have come out and said that this is not going to stop them pursuing other avenues such as Luke Hopkins. But yeah, I, I wouldn't have thought you'd have thought Devante Parker is like worth 14 million guaranteed at this stage of the career. There's two ways to read this. The first, I think, is that it it's converting a previously not fantastic contract into a slightly less bad contract from the Pat's side. I mean, they it's very incentive heavy, as I understand it, very playing performance heavy. And this was the big thing about Parker. He was brought in and has really not produced anything other than maybe one slightly semi-good game. There was that one where so, he caught a deflected pass, wasn't it? That was yeah. Pretty I, impressive, I just remember but, him having yeah. one game where it was like, oh, he's turned up this this week. It it is, I think, about trying to make sure that if Pats are paying him then he's producing and the other side of it is clearing up cap space you, you can read the other extension that the Pats have done recently uh, the linebacker Joan Bentley who I think is very good business for what yeah. they've done is partly about moving cap money so that this year they have a little bit of cap space so for example if someone like DeAndre Hopkins considers it worth his time to come to New England which honestly I don't really know why but the the money is a available to do it so i i see it as partly a financial thing in terms of moving money around for cap space but also on the parker thing it is you need to get this guy producing or we're gonna have to stop paying him so i I think it makes sense from the pats on that side maybe overpaying a little bit on guarantees i agree with you but i think the fact that most of the money is in as i understand it a a series of incentives based on playing performance i think it makes sense from, from that angle and uh, you mentioned there Joan Bentley getting an extension. Two years up to just shy of 19 million with 9 million guaranteed. So a fairly decent price for, for the linebacker there. And the Rams, speaking of ex-Patriots, have signed running back Sonny Michel. So, man, you better better fear that backfield in LA. 
I guess. Injuries, New York Jets safety Chuck Clark has torn his ACL and he's gone for the season. They've signed Adrian Amos to kind of fill in that spot. And the other bit of news would be uh, that former NFL quarterback Ryan Mallett has died at 35 in a tragic drowning accident. I believe he got caught in a riptide. He spent a number of years as a backup for New England, Houston and Baltimore. I remember Ryan Mallett playing. Really weird thing for me is I think we actually watched him play. Do you, if Connor, if you remember the Patriots Rams yeah. London game we went to back in 2012, I believe he had a few snaps. Like I that's think he did, yeah. the thing that's in my head is that that this is a guy I've actually seen in real life tragedy all around just in terms of how it happened. Yeah, Apparently there's a, there's been quite a high number of these types of deaths in America at the moment because of some particularly bad tidal issues with riptides in that area. And I was like, just probably useful to say at this point, just for anyone who happens to be hearing it, that apparently if you get caught in one, the solution is not to try and swim back at the shore, to swim horizontal to it to get out of the, the tide pool. Probably not Are something you? that will pop into your head in the moment, but it's always just worth saying it in case it does twig in someone's mind and they get caught in that situation. Parallel to the beach and then diagonal when you're going once you're out of the riptide yeah yeah so um because the the natural instinct is just to try and go straight back towards the beach but that's yeah that's just going to get you caught up in it so very sad to see you die very young very tragic let's move on to the previews and this week we have the nfc east so first up, come to Sean on the Commanders. They've brought in offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, Jake Brisket, Andrew Wiley, Nick Gates, Trent Scott, Ricky Stromberg. On the defensive side, Emmanuel Forbes, Jatavius Martin, Abdullah Anderson, KJ Henry, Cody Barton and Andre Jones. Uh, they've lost Scott Turner, Taylor Heineke, Carson Wentz from the offensive side, Wes Schweister, Chase Roulier, Trey Turner, Wes Martin, Nick Martin, JD McKissick, Cam Sims, Cole Holcomb, John Bostic and Bobby McCain. So this is after a number of years of constantly getting shot down on interviews, uh, the enemy's kind of shot at kind of proving himself outside of the Andy Reid system. They do have... They've got a, they've got an interestingly maybe underpowered quarterback room, a new offensive coordinator, but they do have a number of skilled positions on this roster still, even though they would be probably, I'd say, seen coming into this year as the bottom of this division. So, Sean, tell us what you're expecting out of the enemy. Yeah, I mean, obviously the NFC East is no longer the laughingstock that it used to be, but I think it's important that we start with the one team who's, who's upholding the tradition of being a terrible team <laughs> from the <laughs> NFC East. The Commanders were not good last year in a kind of a boring way, and now I think they're going to be not good in a actually terrible way, largely because they seem to have hung their hat on fifth round rookie quarterback who maybe had one decent game and suddenly now he's he's the guy to go to. Obviously with the commanders, the big thing that they're dealing with at the moment is this ownership change, Dan Snyder out, consortium in led by Josh Harris of the most famous being part of the ownership structure of the Philadelphia 76ers, the basketball team with Magic Johnson as well. So there's a turning over the new leaf and it kind of feels maybe they're in a tiny bit of a holding pattern until that is confirmed and then the new guys get a look at the structure and start to maybe maybe next year, next summer is when they'll start to move people out. So it kind of feels like they're caught in between these, these two eras a little bit and this is the team that they've assembled. The biggest change, I think, is the introduction of enemy as offensive coordinator. Obviously, he's... Hugely successful time at Kansas City, but was never given the big step up and lots of questions about the the race aspect of that. that He was never given a head coaching job. And now he's, I guess, decided that he's had to move to somewhere where he can prove himself distinct from Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid. And I mean, you want to give himself a challenge. The commanders are a very good place to go, going from having probably the best quarterback in the league to what arguably might be the worst starting quarterback in the league in Sam Howell with Jacoby Brissett uh, as a backup is not a recipe I think unless this guy turns out to be the next coming of Tom Brady and I suppose every time a low draft pick quarterback starts to get starts everybody starts thinking oh, maybe he's Tom it's, Brady it's, 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 a t- uh, it's a tough comparison to be taking particularly <laughs> as a late round pick but it, it, the thing is it's usually is not right usually these, these guys suck pretty much so I think they're obviously going to have a problem on the offensive side can be enemy if he's got interesting ideas and things to do how much can Howell help him deliver on that they have got a good receiving core Terry McLaurin obviously is quite good Jahan Dotson had sparks uh, and looked like occasionally he could be interesting Curtis Samuel has his moments as well so they do have if they get good action on the on the quarterback side they could produce yards 
through the air on the ground. Antonio Gibson's pretty solid. Brian Robinson as well. So it, it's questionable how much they're really going to be able to do. And as a result, uh, for their success, I think they're going to be leaning on this defense. This defense, which three years ago looked really good and upcoming players like Montez Sweat and, and Chase Young, Jonathan Allen, that they had a really interesting kind of front line, front seven, that was kind of scary. And then they just kind of haven't performed since then. There have been injuries that have hampered them. Players have not kind of been as good as they, they should be. And now the question is, can this unit ever get back to, to where it was? They've got, I mean, got Jack Del Rio at, at DC, who's not maybe the highest regarded coach in the world and then they've Ron Rivera at head coach who is so it's on the coaching side it's it's a bit of a, a mix and match mess but if the commanders are going to do anything and I think it's a it's, it's firstly it's a very tough division now with the Eagles who are probably the second best team in the NFL they've got the Cowboys who are always are at the moment always strong or at least competitive until they blow, blow up in the playoffs they got the Giants who last year proved themselves that they've got a good coaching system and they know what they're doing and they're hanging their hat on a effectively a rookie QB who has shown very little to to demonstrate the faith that's been given in him and they're as a result they're going to rely on a defense which has potential and talent but hasn't really produced yet so I struggle to see how this is going to work for the commanders and the best I think they can hope for is that this season is a bit of a write-off so that the new owners can get a sense of what doesn't work and they can clean house next summer I think that if you're a commander's fan I think that's the best case scenario is that this season is the ultimate transition season between whatever the hell was the thing they used to have to the bright new future that they will start to build in 2024. Do we think that so obviously Ron Rivera, an older head coach, came from the old ownership and might be on the outs with the change in ownership coming in? They've got Eric Bieniemy, who's obviously an up and comer, as you said, Sean, coming from from the Chiefs system, had been interviewing for head coaching position for the last year or two. Do we think this is kind of a year's trial for him that he could be taking over as head coach with this new clear out in a year's time if this goes? you know, passably for him. can certainly see that as a logic to it. I mean, there is also an interesting thing I forgot to mention that the Josh Harris angle of this in the ownership, he's, his 76ers team went through a thing called the process a few years ago where they deliberately tanked for a number of years in order to get loads of high draft picks to build a team. It's a lot e- easier to do in basketball than American football because you only have like 12 roster slots to fill as opposed to 50-something. <laughs> but the 76ers are competitive again, have got a number of good players and are top 10 teams in the league consistently. So maybe there is there's hope in terms of that and maybe the enemy is part of that the thing i don't get then is what is the the point of this year transition we're going to have this guy step up but i guess we have to see it uh, and then it comes back to the old thing is that is the enemy being treated fairly that everyone seems to say well we need to see him do it in a place that isn't kansas city before we, we buy into him if even the commander's owners are saying that then it's still not a great place for him to be i think it's a situation where if the enemy performs well like if this all comes together and like there's talent on the offense they have terry mclaurin i think Jahan dotson was pretty good as a rookie last year the offensive line isn't great but it's not terrible and they have a lot of depth in the interior of different guys who come through ricky stormberg was a guy that people were interested in in the in the draft process someone people like and then brian robson and tony gibson you have a solid or b tandem i would say so i think you know the enemy here has a chance to take a effectively a rookie quarterback and try and inject some fun into this team because like the biggest issue with this team is that they're they're just tired. Like all these years of waiting to get rid of a Snyder, all these years of having like one of the worst stadiums in the league at this point, all these years of just being bad on the field as well. It's just tiring. And like Ron Rivera was brought in to basically be a capstone and all the toxicity that's existed in this franchise for what feels like well, over a decade now, maybe even further, depending how you want to count it. And he's done a good job of that. He's got them to being boring which is better than being a clusterfuck but the reality is is that with you know a new owner coming in they're very unlikely to want to keep the same head coach big changes are probably coming and the enemy has a chance perhaps to be you know in the queue of people that they'll interview if he can get something solid out of sam howell but that feels like it's something that might have like a 25 percent chance of happening uh, that the team actually is fun on, on offense and the defense has been a major disappointment jack del rio hasn't really been able to take them up to where they need to be he's been a very bad dc given all the talent that they have and you know you have guys like chase young who are in a proved year his option wasn't picked up so there is every incentive for guys to play hard and try and get those big contracts that you know their names would probably still get them if they made free agency but we just haven't seen it so far 
probably because of the tiredness around this franchise. It just feels like they haven't had any new ideas. So when we're talking about this team next offseason, it'll probably be a completely different picture. There'll be a whole change that's happening. But for now, you know, you pick up some solid offensive lines. You see what you got in Howell uh, after this year. You know, they've gone down that road with Heineke before. And then you see where you are next year. But yeah, the most likely outcome is that this is the last year, one way or the other. Unless they make the playoffs, it's going to be all change. And yeah, I, I don't really see that happening. Yeah, like I expect them to be a bit more competitive in games. I expect Biennemi to make them a bit more watchable on offense. I'm not sure what's going to happen with the defensive side of the thing, but the problem is the quarterback position. I can't, of what we've seen, I can't project how being a difference maker for them. It'd be great if he is, and maybe, maybe, you know, change of offensive coordinator, build a system around him, it can work. But I can see them being in games, but you know, through a combination of inexperience and just lack of overall talent falling out of a few of them. So bizarrely, I think I'm I'm the highest on them out of us at 5 and 12. I have them going 4 and 13, but I, I am... This is another one of those ones where I'm like, they probably will win more games than this because they have Jacoby Brissett as kind of your solid can win like maybe four, four, 40% of your games type of guy. But I think similar to say the Titans like a couple of weeks ago, we're probably giving them a little bit of please just be interesting uh until you're interesting we're gonna shoot you down and not really predict too much for you three and 14 for me worst team in the nfc i would be very surprised if they win more games than that certainly maximum six games are gonna win that i can't see them getting any unless they change quarterback or this somehow guy turns out to be a superstar and like we said cabalis fans don't lose hope there is hope it's just maybe not for this year it is kind of weird that this is the light of the end of the tunnel has finally arrived but the commanders are just like the worst commanders team that you've seen probably in about 10 years so yeah yeah it's an odd position to be in if you're a Fan, sure. Next up are the Eagles. So they've added Sean Desai, a defense coordinator, Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, Kentarius Street, Nick Morrow, Terrell Edmonds, Sidney Brown, Justin Evans, Keely Ringo, and Greedy Williams on the defense side. On the offense side, they've added Brian Johnson, DeAndre Swift, Rashad Penny, Olamide Zacchaeus, and Marcus Mariota. That's where Marcus Mariota They've lost Jonathan Gannon, Javon Hargraves, Lindal Joseph, Sue, Robert Quinn, TJ Edwards, Kazir White, uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Marcus Epps. From the defensive side and from the offensive side, Shane Steichen, Miles Sanders, Isaac Semaluo, Andre Dillard, Zach Pascal, and Gardner Minshew. Yeah, this is an interesting spot. The Eagles... Flying High did a great job last year. Fantastic job in the Super Bowl coming up just short. They have a lot of talent on the roster. So in theory, if we just go by the talent on the roster, we should be looking at favorites for the NFC, you would say. Jalen Hurts is top-end playmaker. They've got a lot of exciting pieces at running back, although there'd be injury concerns around pretty much all of them. AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, it's hard to find a better one-two wide receiver. They've got options at the third spot, although nothing amazing they've got a like a line that's strong at three to four of the places and they've got rookies pushing into the ones that they don't have that and on the defensive side you've got a san reddick fletcher cox you've got a great linebacking core you've got bradbury and slay clearing up the back end for you like it is an excellent looking team nick sirianni has shown he knows what to do with them in the big game to get them there to push them through now The negative to this, if you were to look at it, is yes, they were great last year, but they also pretty much had absolutely everything break their way last year as well. Barring a slight injury to their quarterback for the last couple of weeks of the season, they were pretty much entirely injury free. And at that point, the only thing that was in question was whether or not they got the one seed or not. So like in terms of injuries, that's a that's a great spot to be. They won a couple of close games where they got lucky. They are candidates for regression, but I think they've done most of the things that you'd want to see them do by retaining talent and bringing in fresh ones like I said injury risks attached to DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny, but I do think that like if they're healthy, that's probably an upgrade over dropping Miles Sanders. The big one that might have an impact here is they had the brain drain that happens off a, off a Super Bowl that both their offensive coordinator and their defensive coordinator have gone. Now, if you listen to Eagles fans, losing Jonathan Gannon is not a big loss for them. They are not sad to see him go at all. And like, look, some of that is because there's fresh pain in the heads remembering the second half of the Super Bowl. But overall, there was questions about whether or not his defensive scheme was up to the modern game. Offensively, Shane Steichen was a big fan favorite and you saw the production he was getting. So the question is, will they be able to replicate that with Brian Johnson? And they do still have the weapons. So there is a blueprint there for it. So you'd hope that they'd be able to make make that work for them. There is also the element of if we go back to our to to the tape from last year when we were doing this preview, I think we were a little bit more unsure about what this offense would look like. 
Jalen Hurts was still he wasn't who he who who he was going to be. There was question marks over whether the ownership wanted him in the spot or whether they should be looking elsewhere. There was I believe they were sniffing around Russell Wilson and stuff at that point. So there is also a, a small degree of they got the jump on people slightly last year with how polished and how developed they were and whether or not people will be re- will be ready for them a little bit more this year now the problem is the talent that they have it's hard to, to push that back because that was constantly the thing that would have been said about you know top end broncos teams back in the day chiefs recently say the bills and that that like you know you can know they're coming all you want but the question is can you stop them so i think that's going to be interesting to see if that plays a factor and then like i said with the injuries breaking incredibly well for them last year and now having a couple of what i would call glass cannons at running back who high upside but also have quite quite significant history of injuries will that bring them down a little bit this year i personally don't think so i think these guys are in their stride i think this might be kind of the window on their defense would be my only concern because they flushed out a lot of a lot of guys from last year and they've replaced them with, with with good players but there's still a bit of age on this defense so you'd, you'd be hoping that they'd be able to you know that they need to get younger there further down the line on the offensive line you've got age there as well particularly in the likes of jason kelsey who i think said he was very much contemplating retirement but then losing the Super Bowl has kind of pushed him into going it so there, there is age concern there's injury concern and there's can can this amount of change in the coaching not have a negative effect on them possibly even have a positive particularly in the case of the defense I'm still feeling rather high on them I think they're going to do pretty well but what do you guys think I would be pretty positive on them I think they're one of the most talent dense teams in the NFL not just in terms of their starting 11 on each side, but in terms of the depth that they have at some key positions. Obviously, you know, if, if A.J. Brown and A.J. Jalen Hurts went down, there would definitely be a major, like, fall-off in their offensive production. But they do have the kind of offensive line with Mylada, Kelsey, and Johnson, like three of the best players at the centre and tackle positions in the league, that they could probably could become a ground-and-pound type team Marcus Mariota and probably still win above 500 games, in my opinion. But if you have Jalen Hurts there throwing to AJ Brown and Devonta Smith, and, you know, I think each year you're seeing Devonta Smith slowly grow into that, like, kind of guy who was in college, that kind of dominant route runner. And obviously with AJ Brown taking so much attention, that made sense as well. And AJ Brown has gone from being a guy we all associate with being yards after the catch to in the second half of last year, turning into one of the biggest deep play winners in the entire NFL. And so you just see a team that was evolving and learning. And maybe some of that was Shane Sykin, but Ryan Johnson wasn't the same coaching staff so I imagine he was picking some up there and maybe there might be some growing pains initially but I imagine by the end of the year that the talent on the offense will show and they have depth on the offensive line so they can even take an injury or two and probably still have decent performance there so yeah like look like you know every team there are obviously risks but you know there are fewer teams that as who are safe as the Eagles are in terms of depth there and the running back position DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny either of those guys could be like a fantasy stud for you he could get over like 1500 yards behind this offensive line both of them are incredibly explosive at times but yes they're well made of glass so I wouldn't want to bet which one of them is but uh, we're to throw on and then the defense like it's hard you know it's hard to forget that this was a record-setting defense had the most sacks as a team ever i think they had like four people with over 10 sacks each in this defense it was absolutely ridiculous like i get that in the super bowl it didn't go quite the plan though some could blame the field for that both defenses were suffering because of the poor well there's there's one or two in particular some who aren't even on the team anymore chauncey gardner johnson was mouthing off today about it online yeah because the eagles lost so they're going to complain about but if you ask chris jones he probably wouldn't have been that much of a fan of the, the grass either so like there was, like it was definitely you could see on the field that it was harder to get defensive pressure uh, given the conditions so you know that happened to probably miniaturize a, um, a bigger issue for the Eagles compared to the, the Chiefs but I think it was a factor and look Hassan Raddick has turned into one of the best pure pass rushers in the league he's got Josh Sweat and Brandon Graham alongside him they've got other guys who are in their depth who could pick up if even so those guys got injured and the interior defensive line they're like three or four deep like Fletcher Cox is coming back he's a guy who's been great forever and then they have George Jordan Davis, who, you know, had an interesting first year, but is, at least in physical terms, one of the most dominant-looking uh, defensive linemen. And Jalen Carter obviously fell a little bit in the draft this year, but coming out of college was considered to be, like, one of the like the best defensive line prospect in over a decade outside of his, kind of, motivational issues or off-the-field issues. So if they can get Jalen Carter here into a situation where there's a lot of talent from his previous college team from Georgia at random, then he's going to be in a situation where he could be a really explosive player and not have to play full-time snaps because they have so much depth and then yeah 
Bradbury and Slay is big coming back. Like they lose Chancey Gardner Johnson, but they bring in Terrell Edmonds. They draft Sidney Brown, so I think they'll be okay there. And if you if you just get consistent pressure like they had last year, and it wasn't consistent pressure via some kind of schematic thing, it was very much simple kind of like three four man fronts, just let the good guys get through the defensive line, and nothing too exciting. You can imagine that Sean Desai, who's an up and coming uh, type defensive coordinator couldn't get enough out of them that you know, like there's probably going to be some regression to me because that was obviously a history setting defense but it's hard to see it falling off into being bad like it's probably still at the very least i imagine being a top 10 defense so when you put all that together it's really hard against the pick against the eagles like the chiefs are easy to analyze because pat mahomes fixes everything but this team right now is at the peak of its powers and in a year or two maybe some of these veterans losing will cost them or it'll be less issue so yeah they should go all in to their window right now and that window is wide open and i would very much have them as one of the favorites for the super bowl particularly in the nfc that is isn't really that strong like the Cowboys you know we'll talk about them in a moment like the Cowboys are a good team but they're much more flawed than this team this team looks ready to rock I think if you'd look at it at pure talent this is probably the best roster just in on paper in the in the entire league and they've obviously got some you know a hotshot head coach to match I was not a huge fan of this team at the start of last year and I kind of my lesson I taught my I learned my lesson in that sense Jalen Hurts was much better than I thought. They, they clicked on both sides of the ball much quicker than I thought they would. This certainly looks like a project that is functioning well and all the pieces are slotting into place and everything's going to work. Next year, uh, the year coming, I think they are going to be a slight bit weaker on defense. I mean, I think they have lost some some fairly major pieces there in Hargrave, Kazir White, Gardner-Johnson, and the replacements, you know, some some decent replacements, but there are some rookies as well. And, you know, you never can tell with rookies, even though the general consensus is that the Eagles kick the shit out of the draft that they maximize their equity as much as equity can be maximized in that draft and so they give themselves the best chance but with rookies you never know obviously there's a question mark with the the running backs we've mentioned the talent but how reliable they are over the course of a season in terms of injuries and stuff is going to be interesting to see so this, there's no reason to think this team isn't going to be very very good next year if the, if they are going to be close to the level that they were last year and the, the level they were at last year was very close to being good enough to win the super bowl so they'll definitely be there thereabouts it's going to be interesting to see that there may be less of a surprise package this year than they were last year. They were just kind of a force of nature that, that kind of steamrolled over everyone last year. But now teams have tons of tape on them. They'll have an entire preseason to, to prepare. So teams like, I'm thinking of teams like the 49ers in particular with really strong coaching systems, they are going to be targeting the Eagles. And oh, yeah. that's going to be the, the, the question now that the target is on their back. Everyone's going to be out to get them. They are the big dog to be knocked down. And that's going to be a different kind of pressure to last year where they're just kind of ro- rolling, uh, riding the momentum of just of, of the team suddenly just being incredibly good. So it's partly maybe going to be a psychological challenge as much as anything else. But I do expect to be very, very good. They'll probably be the best team in this division. They'll likely be top two, I would say, in the NFC. And I'd see no reason why... I wouldn't be surprised at all to see them in the Super Bowl next year. And I wouldn't be all that surprised to see them win. And I do think things will be out for them. But I think the thing you saw last year is that they were winning, yes, through some schematic stuff, but mostly, or to a large extent, through talent as well. Like, you know, everyone saw that, like, you know, push Jalen Hurts in the bum, sneak gay play like a hundred times, but no one was able to stop it. So, you know, I think that's, like, I'm very high in them. I think I have them 13 and four, one seed, Super Bowl winner. I think they just, they're just they peaking at the right time. And obviously with the AFC being so devastating, there's obviously a chance that they, they lose in the Super Bowl. But yeah, I think I agree. Like, either them or the 49ers. With that in mind... I have them going 13-4, and four, which is good enough for the one seed. I was hemming and hawing over this. I think I'll have them go to the Super Bowl, but lose the Super Bowl. Very tempted to have them lose in the NFC Championship game because it would make for a great Super Bowl, but yeah. I have them 13-4 and four as well, but only the two seed because I have a really big thing for the 49ers coming up, and I do think the Niners are going to catch them in the NFC Championship game, but I think it's it's going to be a proper NFC Championship game, not the, the farce. Well, I was going to say, there'd be, a, there'd be a lot of 49ers fans out there who'd say if they actually had a had a, had a pass thrower, they may have had them in the championship game previously. I, I think it'll be yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. It, it almost certainly that will be the NFC Championship game, and I think it'll be a fascinating game to watch. Let's move over to the New York Football Giants. Uh, Roland, they've added Darren Waller, Jalen Hyatt, Paris Campbell, Jameson Crowder. 
Schneider, John Michael Schmitz, Eric Gray on the defensive side, Deontay Banks, Bobby McCain, Armani Oyuare, Trey Hawkins, Bobby Okariki, Raheem Nunez Roches, Ashawn Robinson, and Jordan Riley. I was wondering where Nunez Roches ended up. They have lost John Feliciano and Nick Gates, Richie James, Kenny Galladay, Marcus Johnson, Julian Love, Landon Collins, Fabian Moreau, Tony Jefferson, Nick Williams, Jalen Smith, Henry Mordeaux, and Justin Ellis. This is a team that surprised us last year, Ronan. We weren't expecting them to do as well as they did. They didn't wow uh, incredible but they were very consistent well coached knew what they were doing and knew how to get it done with the pieces that they had but is that going to be enough in this upcoming season or are they going to have to take it up a gear i think how you see this team will very strongly depend on how you feel about brian dayball because obviously this is a team that had a pretty successful year one under Brian Dayball and have mostly chosen to kind of keep the band together. So obviously the big choice here really was to extend Daniel Jones to put their face in him after what was a much more successful season than his prior seasons, but still not a season that's going to blow you away. Like he still had less than 4,000 yards and like just over 3,000 yards. He had like, you know, 15 touchdowns. So you're not exactly talking like record setting numbers there. But what you saw was Dable was able to put a scheme around him that played to his strengths. He's obviously a very uh, successful runner. I know everyone thinks at that time he ran 80 yards and then fell on his face by himself, but he is a very dynamic player with his feet. And what they put together was a system which was basically a one-look system. Basically, they schemed up the, a single look or maybe two looks. And if Daniel Jones didn't see it, he was asked to scramble. And he's good enough at that. And they had enough of a threat from the run game from Saquon Barkley that it worked sufficiently to get them into the playoffs and to win a game against the Vikings. But once they came up against a good team, they got their absolute uh, like heads knocked off them. And that was just an indication of where the team was. They're a solid team, but they're not a, a good team. And in the NFC, that's probably possibly good enough to get into the wildcard position, but not really much, much beyond that. And so they come into this offseason, they re-sign Daniel Jones, uh, they tag Saquon Barkley, something to keep an eye on is whether Barkley uh, will choose to hold out or not. He's making noises um, alongside Josh Jacobs from the Raiders that they want to protect the future of the running back position. But we've seen guys literally hold out like uh, Le'Veon Bell a few years ago to try and get more money and it didn't work, guys. It's, it's just not going to work, I'm sorry. Wish it wasn't so, but it is so. And effectively, if those two things are there and the offensive line should be should be fine. It's a young offensive line. It's getting better each year. Andrew Thomas, obviously, has grown into that left tackle position. Evan Neal is a guy with a lot of talent who could uh, make some decent solid there. And then you have Mark Lewinsky, who's a solid veteran. And then they're hoping John Michael Schmitz, who they picked up this year, will, will fill in that center position nicely. Uh, most people are pretty high on him. They've got enough of an offense there to not be terrible. But I think Daniel Jones has to make a step up if this is going to be a successful four-year extension. Maybe it's really more like a two-year extension uh, with options after that. And I'm not sure I see it, really. Like, I think Daniel Jones, you know, he has certain talents. He has those intangibles, those skills, that rushing threat. That means that he does have high upside. And you saw what Brian Dable was able to do with a, another flawed quarterback in Josh Allen. And if you believe those two things can come together and Daniel Jones has that Josh Allen in him, basically, then the, the, the ceiling for this team is much higher than perhaps it would look like on paper. There are still issues with the kind of offensive talent around that. Like, I think bringing in Darren Waller is a solid play, albeit Darren Waller is someone who's more named than game, I think, to a certain extent. Um, he's obviously a great receiving tight end when he's healthy and fully in the game, but, the, you know, he's been very up and down with the with the Raiders. Uh, and obviously, an amazing story to get to where he is in the first place. But he is 31, I believe, so he is older than he seems. And then Jalen Hyatt's a kind of a burner guy. Maybe he can be there for some of the deep balls, though. Daniel Jones was uh, noticed reluctant to go deep last year uh, one of his big things on tape is that he was just very very conservative obviously that was somewhat schematically but also just maybe a reflection of his his risk tolerance after obviously a horrid first three years as quarterback giving the ball away so much and outside that it's just it's kind of a really weird wide receiver room because it's like a bunch of guys who aren't bad but not great like guys like Darius Slayton and Paris Campbell and Isaiah Hodgins and Wanda Robinson and Sterling Shepard and none of these guys are bad but none of them seems like a bona fide wide receiver one or even really wide receiver two just like it seems like they have five wide receiver trees and not much else going on there so like if Daniel Jones is gonna make that next step up 
and he doesn't have this, you know, that kind of wide receiver one, who's going to encourage him and coax him come out of his shell and be a bit more explosive unless Dayball is able to do that for him as the head coach. So I think on the offense, there's upside, but I'd wait to see. And obviously with Saquon Barkley there, he, he might still be expected to kind of carry the load. Uh, we'll see how happy he is to do that. On the defense, it's a young defense. Obviously, with a lot of guys like Dexter Lawrence and, and, and Kayvon Thibodeau, they have the threat there to be good in terms of getting to the quarterback. They have Adoree Jackson, Dante Banks now in the, the backfield. That's solid enough. Like it's one, once again, like Bob Okariki is a solid pickup at linebacker. But once again, it's not an amazing... The front four is good. Everything else, I'm a bit more... I could take it or leave it. Um, it's a solid, but no no major weaknesses, no major strengths. And Wink Martindale, you have a guy who, you know, kind of up and down defense, like when it works well... Um, similar to like Spagnolo, you get like really good results, but it can also get blown up on any given day, especially against those better offenses, which are able to kind of take away those uh, blitzes and stunts and stuff like that through either good understanding or good talent. So it's just a team that feels right now like they've decided to take like cash in the check of a good first season and use that to you know pay the people they already have to show faith in the guys who they already have and see if they can build on that and build something better and i can definitely see that happening because i have trust in dable he seems like a good coach he has good coordinators around him but i think that daniel jones question that we've been asking for the last four years it's hard in my heart not to believe that we might just still be asking those questions once again this time next year and the year after that until they actually have a quarterback who is genuinely upside but he has the he has the tools to be a great quarterback potentially, uh, or like not great, but like a quarterback who has, can do exciting stuff. But I, I'm kind of in wait and see mode with it personally. The question I think with the Giants is can can lightning strike twice? That can this team this really talent poor team be be crafted with some coaching magic into a playoff caliber team? Part of me is with is with Ronan in the sense that yes gotta trust Dable to a certain extent he's proven that he's capable of, of crafting a team out of these guys and there is something admirable I guess in in you know maintaining loyalty to to your big guys showing people like Daniel Jones that you you know you needed him to step up and he did step up so therefore he gets the reward but I do wonder a little bit if maybe this isn't a missed opportunity the, the chance to really maybe pound in some some talent and and to, to really build up this roster to give them a chance because much like the Eagles I kind of see them in that same scenarios that they're not they're not going to be surprise package anymore they got away last season with just being a team that no one thought was all that good and they picked up a lot of early wins just by teams I think underestimating them to a certain extent and you see it in their record that they started seven and two and then once teams began to realize okay these guys actually have something about them then they you know they finished the season only winning two of their last eight games and then they obviously went out well, they, they had the, the big Vikings win, if you want to call it that, but then they went out in, in the divisional, you know, without much of a fight. The jury feels a little bit out on this team, whether last year was a bit of a fluke or whether they are actually building something magnificent. I'm of the belief that you can't defy talent for all that long, especially in an NFL where teams are constantly adjusting to you, they're constantly learning, and you have to constantly keep up pace. And in a division that has two pretty, pretty damn good teams in it, I don't think the Giants are going to be quite as good as they were last year. I, I like some of the additions. Darren Waller, I think, definitely adds something to that that offensive side. But I agree with with Ronan that the wide receiving core leaves a lot to, to be desired. They really, I think, needed to take a step up if they want if they wanted to compete with the Eagles and the Cowboys, and they wanted to take that next next step up. They really needed to to invest in talent and they they didn't and you're kind of hoping basically if you're a Giants fan you're kind of hoping that Dayball has another magic magic solution under his belt which I'm not entirely certain he does and if teams have figured them out a little bit are they maybe going to struggle to to solve problems as well as they did last year I think they'll defy their their talent level for another year but I think it's going to be a less spectacular year and I can't see them making the playoffs. And I do wonder if the magic will have, the shine will have come off a little bit at the end of next, by next summer. And they'll begin to think about how we can actually move this project forward because they really need to, if they want to, they, to compete in this, in this conference, they need to move, to make a step forward. It doesn't feel like they've done that this year. I'm kind of with you on that. Kind of that's the case for them staying or regressing. I think the case for them progressing is. What Dayball did last year was make the most of what they had and maximize what he had on the roster. And if he's able to maximize what they have on the roster, then they should be a good competitive team. Darren Waller has shown himself to be good at times, but has not just wasn't really working out in, in Vegas the last time. So if he can make use of him and maximize him and get him back into a spot, that's a great addition that'll help that wide receiving core significantly. Like I said, Danny Dimes was better last year under it. We've seen 
what what Dayball did in in Buffalo with you know maximizing what they could refining where he could and getting the most out of the quarterback room so maybe there's another step that can be taken there but like you said there it just feels like there is uh, if if maximizing what they had is what got them so far last year even maximizing what they have this year i think comes with a cap because I, I saquon's a year older he's under the tag he's not going to be as happy like there's greater risk i think in this team as well that said i have them doing better than you guys have them doing although interestingly enough we've all got different records for them but we've all got the same results because we've all got them being the eighth best team which feels it's that area of where they're maybe fighting for the for the last wildcard spot i have them winning 10 games and that gets them the eighth spot eight nine also the eighth spot i think they have a slightly tougher schedule this year so like slight regression in terms of score but yeah i think it's all down to that dayball jones relationship if you can do the josh allen thing then maybe they can outperform this yeah i have the nine and eight which is a record wise pretty much where they were last year albeit up a tiny bit from the, the tie game can't see them getting many more than nine wins and i i could see a scenario where they end up with maybe six or seven wins but i think that's their middle of the pack i think is where they're gonna end up yeah you could you could you could see issues and particularly if they get out of the gate slow and then you know saquon wondering does does he want to take 200 additional carries for a team that's going nowhere kind of thing when he's he's out of contract at the end of the year and so on Mid, middle of the road the giants kind of in a fine spot but hopefully not getting stuck in that middle ground where some teams just end up getting trapped finally we'll look at the cowboys sean i'm going to come to you on these guys they've added brian schottenheimer an offensive coordinator brought in brandon cooks for their wide receiver three ronald jones deuce vaughn luke schoonmaker on the defensive side stefan gilmore mazzy smith vielmi feco jr and demarvian overshone on the loss side, Kellen Moore, who we discussed previously, has, has has gone. They've also lost Zeke Elliott, their center, Dalton Schultz, Noah Brown, Ty Hilton, Connor McGovern, Jason Peters, Carlos Watkins, Anthony Barr, Luke Guilford, and Anthony Brown. Obviously, look, Kellen Moore going is a bit of a concern. He was the heir apparent to take over this team if we're to believe everything that Jerry Jones has been saying. It does mean McCarthy's taking over and he's looking forward to calling plays and all that kind of stuff. But like we said, Sean, this is a relatively talented team, has a couple of holes on it. Do you think McCarthy is an improvement, a sideways move or a step backwards if he takes over these play calling duties? I'm not entirely a fan of the transition away from Kellen Moore in the first place. To bring in Schottenheimer, who's, you know, had a mixed record. The, you know, Ronan could probably speak more to the Seahawks, where he was considered to be good, maybe creating top 10 defenses, but his other OC records with the Rams and Jets were not good. That was a problem enough in itself to, to lose a, a talented coach like Kellen Moore to bring in someone less good. But now to hear that he's probably not even going to be calling the plays, but it's going to be McCarthy calling the plays is like, this is a dangerous territory for this Cowboys team to be in. And it, it's interesting because it might actually result in the, the crisis point that maybe this current iteration of the Cowboys need, i.e. that it's all on Mike McCarthy now, that if he doesn't deliver, you know, a bunch of playoff wins and possibly, a, you know, a Super Bowl berth within the next, say, three years, Jerry Jones is going to be like, you know, all the responsibilities on your shoulders and you, and you blew it. With the Cowboys, it's every year is going to be their year. It's like next year we'll win it all. But we're getting to the point now where they're getting into that Liverpool as when they were, as a, to use a soccer analogy back in the day, you know, 30, they're getting up to 30 years since they won the championship, you know, that 30 years since they won the big one. And for a team with, you know, the biggest fan base in America, with the biggest media profile in America, that is embarrassing what their record has been. And it's very hard to see how this current transition on the coaching side makes them better. With the Kellen Moore thing, I could buy into it that once he gets up to head coach, once they finally, Jerry Jones finally decides that, you know, he doesn't need the big name coach now, he can actually trust his, his, internal guy and loud step up the Cowboys were, were, would suddenly look like a, a Super Bowl caliber team but now they feel like they've taken a step back we'll see how Schottenheimer McCarthy works out but I can't necessarily see it being a particularly good thing they have problems I think at quarterback that they're maybe not you know 
fully willing to recognize Dak Prescott has a pretty big interception problem. He led the league in interceptions last year. And albeit you can claim an awful lot of those interceptions weren't his fault, but you know, there comes a point when the, the stats, the responsibility for stats fall on the guy. Dak Prescott has not evolved as a quarterback as much as perhaps we may have expected to him to have done in the last, say, five or six years since he's come into the league. He's gone from being a really exciting talent to being middle of the upper middle of the pack, maybe above average, but not much more than that. And that's not what a team who wants to win a Super Bowl in this era needs. So offensively, there are some question marks there. They've got the removal of Zeke and putting it all on Tony Pollard's shoulders in the running game is probably a good move. The addition of Brandon Cooks is, you know, an interesting addition, but they've maybe... You know, in terms of the the talent, the loss of Dalton Schultz maybe maybe bounces that out a little bit. They're going to be very reliant on C.D. Lamb being the, the guy. So offensively, I don't think this team is maybe where they need to be to be challenging at the very top end of the NFC or top challenging for a Super Bowl. And certainly, I think the coaching change doesn't help with that. They do have a really good defense. You know, they've got a very good DC in Dan Quinn, who's finally, I think, back where he belongs. You know, coaching defenses. You know, you know, creating something magical on that side of things. They've got. Probably the most talented defensive player in the league in Micah Parsons as part of an edge group that is, you know, kind of scary at times. So Marcus Lawrence is also highly regarded. They've added Stefan Gilmore in the secondary, which is an interesting move. He's maybe a year or two past his prime, but he's never had a below average season. So it's maybe too soon to write him off. Trayvon Diggs is obviously the, the ultimate hit and miss guy who could have a massive game or could cost you a bunch of things. Players like Leighton Van Der Esch and such like are also highly regarded. Maybe some weaknesses on their interior D-line is if if you would ask Cowboys fans or read Cowboys blogs, that's what they're pointing at is maybe the weakness on the defensive side. I think it's a top five defense. And I think with Dan Quinn, they, they are... They're definitely up there in terms of the defensive talent. And that is often enough to, to carry a team with a you know an above average offense quite a far distance. The problem they're gonna run into is it's not gonna be good enough, I think, to get over the Eagles hump. It's probably not gonna be good enough to beat the 49ers, who seem to be turning into their boogie team now. And certainly if they make a Super Bowl, it's hard to see how a Dak Prescott led, you know, Mike McCarthy. Uh, play calling offense is going to beat a Pat Mahomes led Chiefs, uh, Joe Burrow led Bengals. It's difficult to see how they're going to produce offensively enough to win the really big games. But with that quality defense, and given that their offense is pretty decent, they are going to be competitive. But once again, with the Cowboys, I fear it's going to be divisional round and bust. They're going to they're going to look good for most of the season. They're going to end up somewhere around 11, 10, 11, 12 wins. Going to end up probably as a wild card because the Eagles are in their division. Maybe going to win a wild card game, but then they're going to run into the first properly good team they meet, probably the 49ers or the Eagles in the divisional, and they're going to lose, basically. Same as it ever was for the Cowboys. <laughs> team that can't survive just being good like 12 and 5 two years in a row they, they actually won a playoff game last year not good enough jerry jones is like i gotta get a super bowl before i die so he's like basically creating chaos it feels like there's a there's something rotten in the heart of this team that it's just slowly clawing away at them maybe literally jerry jones's own heart it's probably not too good <laughs> these days and Mike McCarthy, he's probably he's sick. It kind of sounds like of having Kellen Moore there, the heir apparent, the the offensive genius. And he's like, I won a Super Bowl uh, as an offensive genius. Thank you very much. Now, by the time end of my tenure in Green Bay, I had kind of run out of ideas and was basically letting Aaron Rodgers do whatever he wanted. And Brian Schottenheimer basically had the exact same problem uh, for the one good half season habit Seattle, where they started off letting Russ Cook look great for eight games, and then because they had no new ideas, the rest of the league caught up and they didn't have anything going there so not great signs i would say for the longevity of any success that they see this year so the mccarthy situation just feels like you know we've said year after year now that he basically needs to at least make the playoffs and really be like in the kind of super bowl hunt to kind of keep jerry jones off his back despite the fact that they're playing well they're getting lots of wins and like they're a talented team and it just feels like they're creating their own crisis for them and this whole situation is only really being saved by the fact that they're in a weak conference. Like if they were in the AFC, I would be in a pretty much full-on panic mode. But because they're in a weak NFC and they are still one of the most talented teams. And obviously they have Dan Quinn there, who obviously is another heir apparent. Two heir apparents was too many for Mike McCarty, apparently. You know, it'll probably hold together enough to get enough wins to be playoff relevant. Although probably as a wildcard after the Eagles. 
but it, it just feels a collapse is certainly in there like you know this feels like it's all coming together like Dak Prescott you know is a good quarterback but is he just going to be the next Tony Romo a guy who's good but it's never going to be in that top tier of quarterback. He's never going to be that guy who can like carry the team by himself to those wins that matter when the pressure is on. Is he always going to fold? Hopefully he never has to hold the ball on a kick at the very least. <laughs> and yeah, on the defense, they have Micah Parsons there to kind of wreck shop and do stuff. But the best teams have plans for great players. And, you know, Micah Parsons is obviously an amazing player, but he is obviously not a natural defensive end. And so you imagine that teams can scheme away if they have enough talent on their offensive line and the best teams will tend to have that. And, you know, they're filling in the rest of these gaps with like Stefan Gilmore comes in. That's a solid pickup as a veteran. Brandon Cooks is another solid villain. So it's all been filled in. It all looks solid. It all should be fine. But the problem is, is that unless they win the Super Bowl, it doesn't really matter. You know, maybe they'd make that next step, you know, wildcard two years ago, divisional last year. NFC Championship or Super Bowl this year but that's a that's a kind of hard road to go up even in a white conference and it just kind of feels that the whole thing is getting wound tighter and tighter and McCarthy just doesn't strike the guy who necessarily be at his best when under that type of pressure so even though everything on paper is mostly fine and they have the talent to win the medium to short-term projection for this team really feels like it's a problem with the the ownership not not the players and the, and the coach necessarily but uh, once those things come into conflict things tend to get messy in the nfo yeah that's like good good but not great is kind of where it feels it is there's potential for greatness in here like not to not to, not to sound like the giant thing again but like there's if they could get their things going, like if I had confidence in the offensive scheming here and thinking they get inventive, I would be pretty happy with this. Dak Prescott, probably a year or two past it from his peak, but it's still very good. Tony Pollard was great last year, and we'll see who they're going to add into to, into the mix. CeeDee Lamb's a great wide receiver one. Brandon Cooks had a bit of a down year last year, but has been relatively very consistent and kind of makes up for a good spot at WR2. They've got Gallup. I like a couple of the rookie tight ends, to be honest. Or I think one's a rookie and one's not a rookie, but they've got Shoemaker. And so I think one of those is going to come up big because they, they, they just historically always use their tight ends pretty well. Their offensive line it's not quite what it once was, but it's still pretty good. And like we said, the defense has some top-end pieces, has good scheming. Like, all the potential is here for it. This is almost like an NFC version of the the Chargers from the last couple of years. It feels like you could, you could look at this and go, do you know what, Th- if things break right, these guys steamroll people. But because it's the Cowboys, and because, you know, McCarthy's taking control, and I think his stuff was a bit old a couple of years ago and I can't imagine it's moved that much and Brian Schottenheimer doesn't fill me with a lot of confidence I just I just see them making a mess of it and like a mess of it is still the floor is relatively high I can't see them completely collapsing barring injuries and they have had injuries over recent years but like if you put if you put a different coaching staff on this team I think we'd be looking at these guys as proper contenders but I don't, like, none of us really think, even if everything breaks right, that these guys are in a championship game, let alone a Super Bowl, right? No, it's, it's hard to see yeah. how they overcome that the coaching problem. Like, it's, it's hard to see how they don't have enough talent to overcome the coaching problem. They don't have good enough coaching to overcome the fact that they're not quite as talented as, say, the Eagles are. Yeah. Yeah, it just, it leaves them in this kind of middle ground that's, it's almost worse of just like they're good enough to make it to get to the game but they're never good enough to really have a puncher's chance in it I don't think unless everything breaks incredibly well and look who knows maybe McCarthy has spent his time as head coach just like perfecting he's got just 20 great games schemed up and he just wants to unleash them and and then go out on top or something but yeah we're gonna have to be wrong on this because we're all in complete lockstep on what's gonna happen (laughs) so What's not going to happen is they're not going to go 11-6, and six, get the five seed and go out in the divisional round because that's what all of us think is going to happen. It's, it's actually pretty incredible. We all predict they're going to get a road wildcard victory against whoever the four seed is. I mean, that's very, that's ridiculously specific. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that would definitely not happen. But no, divisional round, It feels it feel, every time they've gone out the divisional round the last few years, that feels about right. It's like, yep, that's their ceiling and they've hit it and that's the end of them. I think the big shot, the big chance they had was two years ago. They were at home in the divisional, yeah, and they lost to the 49ers. I think that was a big shot to get to go quite deep. It's over. This this team is over, and they need to recycle it basically. But that's a process in the Cowboys that's going to be incredibly painful. So may not happen. What's going to have to happen with this roster down the line is 
I'm not sure. Like Jerry's an old man. <laughs> I'm not sure he's I'm not sure he's ready for for the idea. The Cowboys of like... have never rebuilt unless literally forced to do it. So they will continue in with Dak Prescott, who's good, and they'll continue in with CD Lamb, who's obviously good and growing. But like you know, they they'll have talent, but they'll never have the kind of all in moment to kind of reach that next level. It feels like yeah, they're just kind of they're stuck where they are, and I think their best chance is to get in a a coach who genuinely is great, unlike. You know, mid McCarthy. Mid McCarthy you know. is a good is a good one for him. We might use that for the rest of the season. No, that's good. So that is the NFC East. Very good. Next week we'll be chatting about the NFC North. An interesting one with I think more up for grabs than it has been in a couple of years, but with some interesting. I think we have a, a couple of ones that we diverge a bit on, but no, should should make for a good one. Any crack with yourselves, lads, for the weekend? Any plans? Moving house. I will be moving house for the rest of time. It feels like. Very fun. Never yeah. have stuff. That's that's the <laughs> Yeah, oh, well, it's, yeah. Never buy a house and think you're going to live in it forever, so therefore you just start accumulating stuff and then realize three years later that you're going to have to move. That That's the mistake. Don't do that. <laughs> Very good. What about yourself? It's, it's all work focus at the moment. Yes, I am uh, playing Dungeons & Dragons with ex-top uh, uh, contributor Harry on Saturday and should be good fun. And then just getting myself ready for next week. I've got a, a wedding to attend all the way down in Dingle. So quite a bit of a drive. But I suppose that'll wrap us up for this week. So it's bye from myself. Bye from Ronan. Bye. Bye from Sean. Bye. This has been all for quarters. Thanks for listening. We'll chat to you.